This Agile Life, Episode 142, Alone in the Ring. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello and welcome to This Agile Life, a podcast about what it's like to be agile in the real world. And so tonight, this is Jason Tice, otherwise known as the Agile Factor on Twitter currently. And um, I'm joined by only one other person tonight, and that is the one and only Amos King. Please Amos leave a King. message after the beep. Yes, Amos <laughs> King. So this is interesting. So we thought we would uh, actually record a podcast tonight, just Amos and I. And of course, we always have to have a little bit of a story because we have some we have some policies that we've created on our podcast to make sure we always have a good experience. And the challenge is we didn't have enough people tonight because normally we like to have three people. But there were like two of us. So we tried to see if anyone was online and wanted to join us, but eh, couldn't find anyone. So so Amos and I thought, you know, we would just try to do this um, with just the two of us and see what happens. Well, and we need to be fair. Lee was supposed to be here tonight, but he had some family stuff going on so that came up last minute and he had to ditch out. Yeah, well, and, and to be fair, um, Amos, I actually think this is a good topic that you and I can discuss. Maybe we'll get the listeners fired up because I think this happens in real life, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Have you ever had anybody show up or not show up to work because they're sick? Yeah, or or crap happens. You know, the um, the car wreck on the way to work, traffic jam, sick kids. I mean, um, oh, I, w- it- I work remote. I don't know. Those none of those are excuses for me. <laughs> none of that happened. Oh, for, well, so Amos, for you, it would be you have no connectivity. And you can't and you can't uh, remote connect or remote code with your teammates, right? Oh, oh no! I moved out of St. Louis. Why? Well, I, uh, I know. I know. But if you, if you work I'm kidding. Remote, yes, so. yes. That that does happen, and we all know that whenever you work remote and you end up in a meeting, you spend the first fifteen minutes of the meeting figuring out why your microphone oh, doesn't work. Yes, yes. Oh man. So, I, well, actually, I think this could actually be useful tonight. Maybe it won't be a long podcast, but we'll at least give some useful advice. Because Amos, you have brought up one of my. Um, I'm almost going to call it a pet peeve, and it's something that I think is um, everyone could get better at, or many people could get better at if you work remotely or you're having a remote meeting learn how to make your equipment work yeah right well like it it, but that doesn't always preclude like sometimes stuff just doesn't work like let's say you have a meeting room right and i've seen meeting rooms that we've used over and over and over with no problem and somebody goes in there could be a cleaning person something pulls a cord uh or a setting gets changed by somebody in a previous meeting and suddenly nobody can hear anybody and nobody can figure out why without like spending some time okay so what's the courtesy on that is i mean is this goes back to where should somebody have to go in early and set things up and test things or what do you do? I, I I think that it would be nice to have somebody go in early and set up things and test things. I think that's a fantastic way to to plan for the worst. Um, then you you need to determine who's going to do that, who's going to set it up. You probably need the remote people to pop in and test their st- side out at the same time. Uh, and and it's it's adds to the planning and adds to the time, but. 
Well, as a setup, and that's where I, I, I have to admit, I, since I guess I work with a lot of remote colleagues and, and we use different products and, and some products work better than other products and some products seem to be more reliable than others. But it's I guess it's just a cost of doing business because it'd be awesome if we could just all be together and be co-located. But I mean, if it means we got to spend 10 minutes trying to get the web meeting to start and I didn't have to get on an airplane and fly to California to have a meeting to, I think that's a valid trade-off. So especially if the meeting's only going to be like an hour, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess it goes back to saying there's, there, there's, um, there's ways to learn how to get things to work. And I'm um, like, I'll, I'll say that the building that I work out of, we've learned that some of our conference rooms work better than others. And so we strategically try to have our remote meetings in the rooms that we know work better versus the rooms where uh, the the equipment's a little suspect. So yeah, that that's what I actually had happen the other day. I ended up calling somebody's cell phone in order to, to have a workaround. I could see the room just fine. Actually, I could see the light fixture in the room because that's where the camera was up so high. <laughs> that's all it pointed at. And I couldn't hear anybody. Um, so we ended up just leaving my video on and muting my microphone and then calling from my cell phone. Sure. Or you, or a call from Slack onto somebody's laptop in the middle of the room for, for my voice. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the first thing. So I guess, Amos, you could say you and I have been successful tonight because at least we managed to get our recording equipment here to do our podcast. But of course, it's uh, unfortunate that no one else has been able to join us. And so it goes back to what we were talking about. I think another practice that, um, this brings up, and I know I had an experience with this recently is making all of your policies clear explicit and transparent, which is something I guess I'm openly sharing here that uh, Amos, you and I were scratching our head to say, are we breaking the rules tonight or not? Because what are our rules to do a podcast here? And nobody seems to know. Yeah. Well, I think do, do you need a written out set of rules on every team or are there certain teams that it doesn't matter? And I would say that that, that depends on the business value of the team. And how much the team is changing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. The business value of the team. Right. Can, can we double click on that and, and tell me more what you mean by that? <laughs> okay, so so not necessarily here with the podcast team, but <clears throat> if uh, if you have a small team that's short-lived that like – business wise is not going to be the million dollar team. And then you have another team that's going to be a million dollar team and is long lived. The the million dollar team probably needs something more concrete and written out. And it's going to have people going in and out of it frequently where the other team that's short lived, uh, maybe they're planning an event for a month from now. They may not need those written rules. People aren't going to change as much. They, they may not need to write them out. Yeah, but, but Amos, I, I think back to the last time you and I had a podcast here for this Agile Life and we were talking about what do you do with the team member that's just as kind of always like being a jerk or just decides to not, you know, not uh, support code. I think we were talking about code review, if I remember correctly, and like not support code review um, before they they uh, they uh, push back to master and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is like where I think we're we're kind of going in circles because if we have ag- agreements and standards and, and working minimums, we should write those down, make them transparent, and all agree to them because that's the safety mechanism to prevent the thing we talked the scenarios we talked about in the last podcast. Do you think that having it written down is going to cause that behavior to change? Because I don't. 
no, I don't either. I, I, I think that so actually I think that's a crutch that a lot of teams use. Oh, we wrote down working agreements. Here they are. They're on a wiki page somewhere. So uh, to me, it's more important to say we have an agreement that this is how we're going to work. I think the idea of going through a, an exercise where we write agreements down and we put them up on a poster and we look at them and we, you know, we we do a fist of five to say, yeah, we agree. I think that's a good ceremony. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have agreement that, yes, we're going to align to that. So 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 what is the written agreement for then? Uh, well, I, like I said, I think it's a mechanism to have that conversation. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can go back and listen to our last podcast. It, you can write all the agreements down the world. If someone doesn't want to follow them, they're not going to follow them. That has a lot to do with incentive um, and also what their motivations are. So I guess I'm, I'm still stuck on this idea that that some teams would be worth more than others. And as a result, they would have to have agreements. That's I'm, not, just, I'm not saying that they necessarily have to have an agreement. I think that that needs to go with your team from team to team. People are going to need to make choices. Do I think that it's good to write things down? Yeah, frequently I do. I think that notes from retrospectives are good to keep around. Uh, they, to me, those are the agreements, actually. Your retrospective, the thing that you're trying to change, the outcomes, all of those together is like a living document that that generates your agreement over time. I think that any written agreement is more uh, put in place to communicate to new team members than it is to talk to old team members. And if it becomes a document that you're pointing to to say, hey, you're screwing up and it's the fighting document, maybe you have trust issues on the team and something else needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess here, let me try one on you here, because I'm trying to think that going back to relating this back to our um, our scenario tonight, which is the two of us. And hopefully, hopefully by now, the listeners, the listeners have decided to engage and listen to our dialogue. So imagine we were like super famous with this Agile Life, Amos, and we had millions of subscribers. I mean, we're doing pretty well and we, we do appreciate all of our listeners. Imagine we had sponsors that we had sponsor agreements that told us what we had to do on our podcast. Like thou must have at least four hosts per episode and each episode must be between 40 and 50 minutes long for us to meet the criteria of our sponsorship. I could have. Well, now we have a business value. Well, yes, I'm saying so. (laughs) So because we don't have that per se being open here with this agile life, which is just effectively what I I call this a charity. It's something that I know many of us involved do because we we just enjoy sharing what we know. I call it self therapy. Really? (laughs) Because we don't have that that rigor and we don't have we don't have sponsors that are, you know, paying for ads on within our content. I guess we are a little more lax on our policy and, and we can say, you know what, we're just going to record this tonight because there is almost no penalty for not following our own kind of unbespoken rules. And, and is that okay? Hmm. I think this is kind of cool. I, I, cause look, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about, if we're talking about, you know, fundamental principles of agile where, you know, the fundamental way we deliver value in agile software development is what Amos, you should know this. Uh, Nope. <laughs> I just blanked out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Amos, oh boy. I think we might have to might have to send you back to agilemanifesto.org. Uh, work, uh, the, working software over the de- the delivery of working software. So so I would go in and say I'm going to I'm going to take a step forward here and say that the primary mechanism of value in agile podcasting is the delivery of an entertaining and informative podcast, which I hope we're doing here. 
Well, I think if you called me out, it's going to be entertaining for at least one person. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, finally Amos gets it. Yeah, from the person <laughs> who is probably be most expected to do that. So, well, that's true. I, I guess that's maybe true. that's that. But that's, I think, an interesting scenario is like because I've seen this with teams and Amos. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen it where. You know, we're obsessing about practices and ceremonies and like, this is the way you should have a stand up meeting. And like, this is the way that you should estimate your stories, like using a standard Fibonacci sequence, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, it's like, are we even delivering anything that provides value? And so that's why I don't like Scrum, because you just spelled out Scrum. Let's face it. You have to have this set of practices or or you aren't Scrum. I think that. We need, you know what? We could probably make a whole lot of money and make the software world a whole lot better if we created a uh, unlearning class for Scrum. Really? Tell, t- tell me yeah, more. Sorry. Let, let's I, I, let's I should, double I should click on that. This. That might get uh. us in trouble, Amos. <laughs> well, I, I think we've talked about this a, a lot on here. I guess I I prescribe more to yeah. the XP way, but I, even then, XP mixed with lean, mixed with Scrum, mixed with all kinds of stuff. I think that every team is a little different, and needs a different set of of ways to work in order to deliver working software uh, in in a timely manner and at the quality that the customer wants. I have. I, I'm going to venture to say never seen a team that is scrum based and follows the actual scrum stuff completely that delivers working software in as good of a manner as I've seen teams that more, use more of an ad hoc agile. Okay. And so if, if someone's listening, Amos, and, and, and let's say they are a scrum person, which is there are many out there. I'm sure many listen to us. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think me, that they're bad yeah, people. So, just just because I don't like okay. the practice. But give me your I, top three. I don't know what you want to call them. Your top three headlines for ad hoc software process. What you just said. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what you mean by top three headlines. Like okay, so like I I before I I, I named some some kind of typical Scrum type practices. Okay, you you had a strong reaction said that that that's, that's heresy. We don't need to do that stuff. So if we're not going to do that stuff, what would we do instead? Uh, I would say a a continuous flow uh, story system, something more like Kanban, uh, where you aren't uh, prioritizing at the beginning of the week and locking yourself in. Um, Okay, so deferring commitment to the last responsible moment, focusing on what provides the most value. At the time that you're looking to provide value. Okay. Right. When you're looking for the next thing that you should be providing value on, you should be picking the highest current priority, not what was decided. You know, some some teams are doing month long sprints. So what, what was decided on the first of the month has <laughs> may not be the priority on the okay. 15th. OK, so that's one. Okay. Um, and and uh, I, I think that. I, I want to say a regular cadence, uh, which is is hard to say because Scrum has a regular cadence too. Um, I, I know this this is starting to be like our last podcast. So we're, you're we're con- you're contradicting yourself here, Amos, because you're saying well, focus on flow and, and and defer commitment and focus on what's well, most value. I'm, I'm t- but now we need to have a cadence. I'm talking about cadence in a different way than Scrum. Okay. What I mean by cadence is that you're like you're just 
going and working and moving things along at a at a regular pace. You're not trying to do any breakneck running to finish up stuff at the last minute because you have to get this commitment that you made on the first of the month by the last of the month because things have changed things have run in um i watch a lot of bad software being created because someone is trying to get the points that they committed to at the beginning of the sprint and at the end of the sprint all those stories they're like oh well we committed to this and they're always talking about the commitment and pushing this commitment and you're like what about the commitment to quality? What about the commitment to the the team, the people working? You know, you're not just a cog that's going to crank things out and that be perfect without spending some time thinking about it. And sometimes those things are going to take longer. And I've seen Scrum used as a tool to beat things into it's got to be out now because of the commitment and you're locked into. So here's exactly what we're going to do. And if we don't make it, then we have to go in and cowl to the powers that be and explain why we didn't make it, even if it's just ourselves. So the, so the, the lesson learned there, as you said, is again, have that continuous flow and avoid those. I mean, every time they make the batch larger. So, you know, if you're having a, say a one week sprint versus a two week sprint, you know, there's, there's, once you have that longer planning period, there's more potential challenge when things change during that period. So, so your, your recommendation, Amos is shorter or even just working in a flow scenario where you, you don't commit. But the other thing I think you're talking about, you aren't saying it specifically is saying that you would also, I think, release incrementally with a cadence too. So ideally I'm, I'm either staging or I'm perhaps releasing capability or stories as I finish them as part of my yeah. flow process, I'm not letting things batch up to where, oh, great. Now we got to actually figure out how to make this stuff work and how to get it out of our pipeline to actually get it out to the users, either in the demo environment or actually in production. Absolutely. And, and I've seen um, that's another thing that I, I see with Sprint, not only uh, with Scrum and Sprints is not only are you pushing a bunch of stuff at the end just to try to get it out, which causes you to put in bugs. Um, but you're also batching things up. So your feedback time is pushed back even further than what it is. If you're just doing a continuous flow and pushing things out, even if that feedback is just coming from QA in a staging environment or other developers getting to, to play with things. Um, and I, I also notice in that continuous flow, whenever you are releasing like that stories start to get a lot smaller. So I don't really, I would, I would say focus, focusing more on splitting stories instead of estimating stories would be my third headline. Oh, okay. So just keep things small in other words. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you focus on splitting things down to where I, here's, here's my, my litmus test is a story should have one and only one acceptance criteria. Because roughly, if you do that, they all end up close to the same. Sometimes you have one that takes longer, one that takes shorter. If I graph it out and I put the line down with the actual like predictions of what we're going to make for a month based on like the last three weeks or whatever, and I just count stories that way and we've made them small like that, it looks like a perfect trend line. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And what, what I like you've, you've touched on here is really talking about the importance of having that ongoing testing. I know the, the pattern I've seen a lot with scrum teams is where things, the testing, uh, either be it if there's a tester who's embedded with the team or ha- perhaps you have to work with a, like a test team that's not part of the team. You know, that always batches up at the end of the sprint. And then you have the last two days where you're trying to test everything, including if you look at the details, things that might have been done and sitting idle for like two or three days. If say, say you've got a two week sprint and the challenge is, guess what? If you find a if you find a problem after it's been sitting idle for two or three days, it's typically a little harder to fix it than if you fixed it right after you right after it was it was committed back. And, you know, you did a, there was a new build and the tester tested it and said, yeah, it's good um, first, or no, it's not good. Go fix it. Um, so. So I think it goes back to, I guess, the, to link this back to our podcast tonight, it's it's this fundamental practice of just saying, I'm going to do my work, as Amos and I are tonight, and I'm going to release something so I can get feedback from my, my end users or my customers. So, which is something as you can, as, as I work with the metaphor, we're trying to do it with our, with our podcast tonight. But if you're listening to us, I would challenge you to say, why can't you do that in your current team that you're on? Why can't I do that right now? No, I just well, you oh. can you oh. do that right now? Uh, I I th- the the continuous flow. Yeah, yeah. I I think that that we can to a point. Uh, currently, I'm working on a um, Scrum based team, but but we have we have a little more freedom than following Scrum exactly. Um, so so I think right now we can do that. the The impediments are getting feedback outside of the sprint like like we pretty much only get feedback at the end of it um and a lot of that too i think is uh if you i i've done this before with with some of the sprint teams i actually got them to change to get rid of sprints because of it is we looked at the stories and the points we were estimating and everything and i said every day mark down how many story points were put in and draw the sprint like like a wall like a graph you have a wall and then it starts back at zero at the next sprint and you have a wall and it looks like waves slamming into a wall it's really tiny and like the last day there's a whole bunch of stuff which is why we back up qa why we get all that stuff crammed in there right at the end over and over and over and over so you're you're saying you're measuring the amount of work you've completed through the duration of a sprint is that what you're saying uh like in points per 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 day per day not so so if you complete one on monday and one on tuesday tuesday doesn't show two it still shows one because yeah, yeah. it's the number that you pr- completed that day and what i see is like zero on monday one gets completed on tuesday one gets completed wednesday three on thursday 12 on friday yeah and so then the question <laughs> is see really the practice there would be to say not just measure when things get done amos but measure measure actually i mean because what you i almost thought you were describing was pl- plotting out like a cumulative flow diagram where you could see you know are, is work queuing up at a certain part of your process and then figure out if there's a bottleneck if there's a if there's a restriction if it's because someone's on vacation if it's because you haven't automated your how you deploy code to the test environment so things batch up there i mean there's lots of reasons why uh, but the key thing is having the data to see that you have a you have a problem and then deciding what to do and then as you do something you can measure to see do things get better yeah. and then what day of the week it, those stories get done on 
then say based on which day of the week that they got done on or which day of the sprint, I should say sprint day, like day one, day two, last day of the sprint. doesn't matter how long your sprints are. Yeah. And then mark all the ones that uh, have ever had a bug report on them and see which day that they were done. Sure. Sprint. Well, I got, I got, I got an interesting story. I'll tell you. Actually, it's an experiment we're trying this year um, with our Agile Midwest conference here in um, St. Louis, Missouri area in 2019. Where um, right now it's about the wait, 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 wait. When is uh, that? Well, it's coming up in it's coming up in September. Okay, it's not my pick, but it's like a pick. It's like a bonus pick. But here's an experiment we're doing. It, it's well, fall. I'm, it's fall. Fall in the well, river. I want to give it's you beautiful. some. I want to give you a real life story about this and going back to deadlines. So we opened up our. It's uh, Amos and I recording. It's like the end of April 2019, basically. And so we opened up our call for papers or our call for proposals. No joke on April 1st, 2019. Okay, so almost a month ago, and it, we're using Sessionize as a tool. And what's interesting is we have yet to receive a submission to the conference. Call for Papers has been open 20-some days. And what's interesting is if you look at Sessionize, Sessionize will clearly tell you that we are accepting um, we are accepting submissions through the end of May. We're actually going to accept it large because what we're going to do this year, which is our experiment, is we are going to review submissions as they come in. And we are going to accept submissions dynamically as we see good submissions come in. So rather than what happens with a lot of conferences is if you've ever if, if you're listening to us and you've ever submitted or you've ever been uh, on a committee that reviews submissions, we all know what happens, right? Your email inbox explodes on the deadline because everyone submits on the last day. And um, sometimes that even crashes the tool you're using to take submissions or it crashes your inbox or whatever. So this year we thought we'd do something different. And so we are going to accept submissions in an ongoing basis. But what I think is interesting and from our own data here, I mean, we've had, someone could have submitted, but no one's actually turned anything in yet. So maybe Amos is working on one, a submission uh, right now. Uh Oh, so, so, well, you released on a, you said on April 1st too. So maybe nobody believes you. It's open. Okay. And what's funny is I've had, I've had <laughs> we've actually had some questions about submissions for the conference. So people have noticed it. So the tool worked. And again, if you use Sessionized for a call for papers, it, it promotes your, your conference. I mean, it has some, some cross promotion to different, um, to different, uh, social, uh, I guess it's, they're using social feeds now that they, they promote out there. Um, and they have a newsletter they send out to as, as part of their platform. But it's just interesting because I I think it shows that um, we are conditioned to react to deadlines, which I think is part of the motivation with why Scrum has sprints, because it forces us to say, you know what, we got to get everything done for that deadline because we made a commitment. I mean, I think back to, you know, anyone who's been to who's been to college or been to school, you know, where you got that syllabus, which outlined all the work you have to do for a semester. Right, Amos? Remember that? Okay. And it said that, hey, here's the term paper that here's all the details for your term paper that you have to turn in by the end of the semester, right? So you could be a good little um a, a good little student and you could pace yourself and do a little bit of work on your term paper every week and at the end of the at the end of the semester just turn it in, right? Okay. How many people actually do that? I'll admit I didn't do it. Did you like do two? Yeah, two. The minimum. <laughs> those, those must be like the people that that like go to the David Anderson conferences and like worship Kanban or something. So um, the rest <laughs> of us uh, needed a little bit of a prodding and or we just waited until the deadline. So uh, so I guess I mean, that's what I'm, what I'm kind of thinking about here. And because I, I get this idea of saying having that incremental progress working in small slices is good. 
but then we follow, but then we never follow through. And so we, we need that deadline to say, get it done, get it well, done or well, else. I, or, I, no, you, you, you still do. The deadlines are, are there. They're just implicit. So your deadlines are all, especially when you start splitting the story, it's really tiny. You're going to get something done every day or two. And it's very noticeable. So that's where, so that's where you're saying, so let's, let's, let's take it back to the college question. Okay. So in the college environment where I could, cause what you're saying, Amos would apply to my term paper. I could work, I could write three sentences or I could work on a part of my outline every day for the semester, get my term paper done in a very sustainable fashion, not having to pull so, it all my um, Who's going to remind me to do that? Who's holding professor. me accountable to work that way? In writing software, you have some kind of project product owner, uh, customer, somebody who's giving you that feedback. So if we want to make it similar, we've got to take your step where you add a sentence or three to your outline or your paper or whatever. But then you get to turn that into your professor and get feedback constantly throughout the semester. Okay. Okay, well, I have to admit, I like that. No, now, there's no, a whole separate that story because that's not that's how, how um, software works most usually. professors want to deliver a term paper, regularly. right? They, yeah. Well, it should. Um, knowing that, I mean, you're, I mean, Amos, you're describing the dream scenario where like almost like a continuous deployment scenario where things, you know, get committed and just go out the door, uh, which would be awesome. But many people are not in an environment like that. So, but I, I like what you're saying here because Amos, whether you know it or not, you are almost like reinforcing the role of the scrum master to kind of be that 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 coach or that that reminder that says, hey, Amos. Why didn't you get a story done yesterday? You know, what are you going to do to get a story done today? Because on average, you know, most of our most members of our of our team get one or two stories done per day. And, you know, yesterday, I think, I what think, happened? Okay. So I think that depends on how you approach that person. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting I'm getting like really tense well, right say, now. I know. Let's, I know. Let's you, role I play just, it. Let's role I play. took it that way whenever you were talking to me just now. And I'm like tense now. And that is not good. Oh, OK. So, like. Well, so, so, okay, but, but I've seen this and, and this is what you're saying where somebody needs to remind a, a team member that on average, we should try to get one story no. done a day. No, you don't need to remind them that no? they well, see it going on around them. You need to go up and say, Hey, Hey, do you need any help on that story that you're working on? Lead, lead by, lead by example, be a servant leader. How can I help you get this story done? Well, you got any well, then I'd be on like, it? Okay. Well, then, but Amos, 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 why are you here? What do you ask me questions for, Amos? Go away. Oh, well, now, now, you, now you're a pain. You're hostile. Amos, <laughs> I'm working on the story. Look at Jira. It's in, the, it's in the in progress queue. Okay. I'm working on it. Okay. Hey, uh, are you are you a little stressed out right now? Because no, I'm working on the story. Seems- it's freaking hard. I'm working to get it done, Amos. <laughs> and that's that's fine. Maybe uh, maybe somebody can sit down and pair with you for a little bit. Are you say maybe are me? you saying I, I would love are to you help say you. I need are you saying I need help, Amos? What's up with this? Wait, wait. Are we role playing or are you tight? No, I'm kind of role playing, but also role playing as myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I can't, I can't afford the kind of therapy oh, that you need. Oh, really? <laughs> well, okay, but, but I'll no. or the kind I need. Uh. Well, so, 
<laughs> no, but but so so I mean, we can always play the hostile character, and and sometimes people are going to get angry, and then that gets into a different situation of now, how do we? respond socially to someone which being goes hostile. back to our last podcast we right. keep coming back to it so but yeah yeah uh, so so i'm approaching trying to offer help if you're that stressed out i'm probably going to walk away and maybe later over lunch or something just ask you like how life's going and and what'd you do last weekend and you got anything exciting planned coming up uh, you know just try to figure out what's going on in their life if that's abnormal for them. If it's normal for that person to be hostile, then maybe that's something that's more than just me. That's like a team discussion or a uh, or a I hate to say it, uh, but I get a little, we might have to let you go. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. it doesn't yeah, build trust me? and it wow. doesn't build team just camaraderie to be that way. Today, Amos? I might, I oh, might. Okay. <laughs> No, no, I I would not like that would not be the full conversation I would have with them. This would be over over a period of time. But I do believe like if you you got to be able to work as a team, you have to be able to accept help when people are trying to give it to you. And when somebody's asking you if you need help, it doesn't mean that they think you're stupid. It doesn't mean that they think that you can't get it done genuinely we just want to move the needle forward and make the best darn product we can. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that almost kind of brings this, this little fun role play to a close because I think they miss. That's the key thing is to have that, you know, realize that everyone on the, in my opinion, everyone on the team is a servant leader. And so everyone should be looking out for the best interests of the team and of each other. And so if somebody does happen to ask you a question about, Hey, what's up with this? Could I help out? It's not an attack. It, it's it's well intentioned, and uh, or at least it should be well intentioned. I, I I I do know people that have had it used against them. So, but that's that's what we're we're striving for here. And so, so we got to this by talking about our podcast, and we were didn't have a rule, and we tried to release a podcast tonight, which hopefully we're going to do successfully, and. Then we started saying out the ways to make sure you do that in software are saying, guess what? You should make your stories small and stuff, kind of like making our podcast small here and keeping it simple. So, so what else, Amos? What else you got going on? Uh, not a lot. I'm, I'm reading. Well, uh, I'm, I'm only like five pages in, but I'm reading a new book Ooh. called Behi- Behind Human Error. And it's talking about human error being cited for incidents and accidents over and over. And uh, from so far, what I think it's going to talk about is how that's a little bit of a scapegoat and that maybe we should be looking into more than just uh, saying, oh, it can't be the technology. It must be the people. Interesting. Good stuff. We could do a whole we could do a whole. Here, I'll give you I'll I'll give you the last sentence of the uh, or two sentences of the um, back of the book. If you think you have a human error problem, recognize that the label itself is no explanation and no guide to countermeasures. The potential for constructive change for progress on safety lies behind the human error label. Interesting. 
Well, you could read the book and then give us a, you can do a, a one man podcast coming up perhaps where you will give us a book review. Oh, maybe, maybe. And here's what we'll do is a real experiment. We'll give you a deadline and we'll see if you work on it incrementally or if you cram at the last minute and get it all done and pull an all nighter. I am terrible at reading. It takes me months to read a book. I'm super slow at it. Interesting. So, so uh, I, I, my problem is I'll read a chapter and then be like, what did I just read? Because I was thinking about kids or whatever. <laughs> I'm terrible at reading. I'm I'm working on it though. What you need to do is you need to like read in the Pomodoro technique. You know, I know a lot of folks that do that where you you really like clear your mind, you read the book for twenty five minutes, so then you get your five minute break to do whatever else you want to do, and then you come back and that focus really helps you stay, you know, read faster and also comprehend what you read. So well that's cool. That would be cool. I, I might have to try that. I've done that with other things that I've had problems um concentrating on. So, Amos, in the spirit of teamwork, since I leaned into you in the last topic and had a little fun with it, do you want to lean into me on anything? Oh, uh, I was not the prepared. spirit of I was not prepared for that. Fair and open, fair, sharing, fair. Really, Amos, I'm letting I you. Did, after no. all these podcasts, I'm giving you an opportunity to let me have it, <laughs> and you're not taking advantage of it. That's a, our listeners are going to be disappointed. Uh, probably they're probably going to be like, wow, what happened to Amos? He got soft in that year that you guys disappeared. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> you went and he like moved and like did all this other stuff and stuff. And then who knows what I did. So I, I went from the grizzled country boy to city kid now, yes. I guess. <laughs> well, Amos, <laughs> no, something I, I want to call out that you did today. And I think this is a great thing to share with the world for the good of the world, because we were, we were coordinating our podcast for today, which as you can see, obviously Amos and I were the only ones who successfully got the memo. We were going to do the podcast and we're able to follow through and join. But when I was coordinating the podcast, I made a very specific statement of we will record the podcast at 8 PM on Wednesday evenings or 8 PM central time on Wednesday evening on the date we said we would do it. And our friend, and that was today? That was today. Or yesterday? No, that was yeah. today. And uh, our friend Craig, who's not with us tonight, uh, he was like, oh, geez, Jason talks like a robot. But the key thing, <laughs> the key thing I want to bring out is, again, for those of you that work with distributed teams or global teams, time zones and days get complicated. So having a specific absolute time that you call out is very, very helpful, especially if you're – I mean, obviously, if you book a meeting and you set out a meeting invite – Typically, that solves the problem for you, and you know, hopefully, your your exchange server knows how to handle time handle time zones. Although we all know they don't sometimes. <laughs> but if you're like just doing ad hoc collaboration in the Slack channel, which is a lot of the times how we put our podcast together, that can be very helpful for um, for other people to engage, so they don't get the time zone and or the date wrong. So that's my um, my free pragmatic advice of the night. And for those of you that work with me uh, at work, you you see it all the time where I will put the time and the, the date and the time and the time zone in every single t- thing I type out uh, so we can make sure we do know when we are connecting. So that's my call that my best practice for the day. Uh, yeah, I, that's a super useful. I actually uh, um did thank Tice in the channel for doing that and said he must be working remote. Uh, I have had to work with people um, that their days are so far off from Mars that dates don't line up a lot of times. So if I say we're going to meet on Tuesday, it's like 
Wednesday morning for them. So or they, they crossed the Monday. date line. Yeah. 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 They crossed the date line. So it was like, yeah, you can't say today. Uh, that is one thing that we need to focus on in this global world. And really, as far as I see the trend going, we're going to have more and more remote people because not all the talent lives where you live. Not all the talent you need or the talent you want is right there. And not all of them want to move there either. And for some people, it doesn't matter how much you're going to pay them either. They're not going to move. Yeah. And also the other factor there too, Amos, is all the, you know, I, I guess we call it the gig economy where, you know, people don't want a full time, you know, 40 hours a week or, you know, you know, full time exempt job. They just want to, you know, code a little bit here, a little bit there and get paid for it and want to work whenever and wherever they want to to do that. So I'm very interested to see how that impacts life in the dev pit in the next, I want to say, five to 10 years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. I think that we'll, most of us are going to have to get way better at our communication skills uh, um, <clears throat> and reaching out to other people and connecting with people. It is twice as hard to connect with somebody that you only see on a screen. Uh, and that that's a lot of work, but you, it, when it works out and you can still get trust at a distance, it's amazing. And, and I, still have people that I only worked remote with uh, years ago that we still call each other and get together. Um, mainly them. They're better at calling me than I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible, but uh, thank you. You, you people know who you are. Um, but so that was, so you, you can have close knit relationships, even working remotely, but I think that it, there's going to be a lot of, there either needs to be new communication tools out there. Well, there does, there needs to be new communication tools that solve a lot of the problems, but we also have to make sure that we're spending our time reaching out and connecting to others. Yeah. And, or, and, or the funny thing that is starting to emerge, and there's a couple people working on this. Um, I guess this would be a good podcast in the future who are starting to mine analytics out of chat streams and will say, Amos, are you sure you want to post that message based upon what you typed in? And that, that technology is getting better and better by the day, it seems. Uh, so um, sometimes we have to wonder, are we forgetting how to think as people? But that's a, that's a, that's a sad topic. Amos, how, how can we wrap this up on a happy note? <laughs> um, well, maybe uh, we should just try to be an empathetic ear but empathetic ear <laughs> and or again yeah, that's right. well i just this hopefully turned out pretty good for our listeners since we talked about a variety of things i know we've given a lot of advice um we got to amos amos's thrill was he did get to talk about scrum and how scrum sometimes can lead us astray and i know he probably enjoyed that thoroughly <laughs> and i got to role play with amos and act like uh someone who wanted to know why didn't we get a story done yesterday when we should be able to get a story done every day because that's what i heard about and that's what the data shows but you didn't get one done amos uh and we made it through an episode with just the two of us and there was no fighting except for <laughs> when the role play might for, become a little too real except for role playing yeah yes. <laughs> well i i didn't feel that it, it was real and i knew you were playing but oh role playing can get intense like as soon as you get those feelings so role playing is powerful use it in your retros Ooh. I think I think that's a good end note. That's a good end note. Well, <laughs> anyway, so well, Amos, thank you for doing this tonight or for whenever you have to listen to this. I enjoyed it. And um, 
Yes, hopefully we've we've given folks some useful advice that they can apply as they go on their journey in their own agile life. What do you got for us, Tice? Oh, what do you got, Amos? Thanks. Um, so I got two. I only have two. You, I think you have three. So I have three. Yeah. So my two, um, as always, I have to have a live event pick, even though I don't go to as many public live events as I used to. But a event that I am plugging this week is um, the Play for Agile North America Conference. That's coming up in September 2019, uh, 26, September 26th through 29. It's up in Cornwall, Ontario, which if you're from the U.S., I will share. This is just barely in Canada. If you go to it, you still get U.S. cell coverage from across the river, okay? You don't even – it's like you're barely in Canada. But what it is, it's a multi-day open space conference focused on collaboration for high-performing teams, lots of games, lots of fun stuff, uh, lots, of, lots of great friends that I happen to see at the, um, at the Agile Games Conference recently in the Boston area. And so I guess as I would say the um, the event for those that like to do play and games, this is the later year event um, for 2019, again, up in Cornwall, Ontario. Uh, we'll put a link to the show notes. They are open for registration. Um, I've been a couple times. It's a great event uh, just hanging out, um, again, open space, focusing on um, – Ways to collaborate better. As Amos was saying, their theme this year is all about um, empathy. Second pick I have is uh, something I, I saw and was rather blown away by at the um, at the games conference in 2019 up in, in the Boston area. And it's a card game called Elevation of Privilege. It was created by Microsoft. It's open source. And it allows you to do threat modeling with your team. So you can like literally model out your architecture for your application and then you play different cards from the deck. And as a team, you decide where does that threat play into our architecture? And so um, and I believe um, I actually for having done some work in this area, the uh, threat model is based upon the NIST standards. So it's uh, if you've never done secure development or you want to learn about security architecture and like how to lay how to overlay firewalls on your on your on your application or your systems architecture, it's a I just thought it was phenomenal because I number one I like that stuff personally. It's kind of the tech that I work with, but it was phenomenal to play that with developers who had never thought about firewall rules and also to play it with, I want to say less technical folks like scrum masters and coaches and the, the game itself got everyone on the same page. So again, it's called elevation of privilege. It is open source. You could download it from Microsoft. We'll put a link in the show notes and um, check it out. If you want to figure out um, how, uh, how secure or probably non-secure your, uh, your system or application is. Amos. That's awesome. I- Amos, what you got? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your your picks, Tice. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to going out and checking out those cards. I've been doing some security training lately, so yeah, good see stuff. If that helps. I mean, what you got? So, so you got your the conference there in September, and I am going to be speaking at Gig City Elixir in October. October 18th and 19th is the conference. Training is the 17th. Uh, it's an Elixir conference in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is pretty awesome. You can go see their sponge display in the airport. It's really weird. Uh, Where do you go to their aquarium? They got a nice aquarium down there. So last year, the conference was at the aquarium, Ooh. which was pretty, pretty stinking cool. Uh, it's put on by Bruce Tate. So it, it'll be, it'll be great. Uh, I'll be there doing my other podcast live. So, uh, that'll be cool. And also giving a Traitor, talk. You plugged your other podcast. I plugged it last time. I'm good at that. Uh, shameless self promotion. I have no shame. Uh, so, so gig city elixir is a fantastic conference. Um, just 
it was it was the highlight of my year last year as far as conferences go. So so try it out. Uh, also, uh, my next pick is uh, a book called Property Based Testing with Proper Erlang and Elixir by Fred Abair. Um, Fred is a fantastic author, great at breaking things down. He wrote Erlang and Anger and... I can't think of the other stuff right now. Learning some Erlang. Um, Fred is just, just an awesome person to, to talk to and get to know too. Uh, but his book about property based testing will humble you if you are, if you are a programmer who loves testing and will totally find all of the bugs that your tests never did find if you if you follow what's going on it is pretty amazing and then um i i just threw onto the picks the the book that i mentioned earlier behind human air i haven't read it all yet um so i can't really give it an endorsement but fred a bear that wrote property based testing book is actually the one that suggested it to me so um i'm i'm really looking forward to getting through that book Awesome, Amos. Well, thanks for sharing. And of course, we have thank, we are thankful for all of our listeners at This Agile Life. If you liked the episode that you just listened to, we would love your feedback. And of course, if you didn't like the episode that you just listened to and you're still listening, we would also love your feedback because as we discussed, that feedback is how we can get better as we release our product and want to make sure we provide a great experience for everyone who does choose to listen to This Agile Life. So with that, that's all we got for this episode. Thanks for listening. And of course, keep living this Agile life. This Agile life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community. 